You're now listening to Binge Brew Brain Podcast, the show that teaches simple neuroscience-based strategies to ending overeating, binge eating, emotional eating, and yo-yo dieting. I'm Natalia, your host, and I'm here to help you create wellness without the obsession. Let's get started. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I hope you're doing amazing because in today's episode, we are going to continue the conversation about trigger foods that we relabeled as binge foods. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, I would highly recommend you do because in the previous episode, we focused mainly on the mindset. And I think that the mindset piece should proceed today's episode, like first the mindset and then the action. So in today's episode, I'm going to first share with you my story, because at some point I ditched highly processed foods, then I reintroduced them back in a wrong way, and it ended up uh, very badly for me. Then I ditched them again, then I reintroduced them again, this time properly, and I can say that right now I don't have any binge foods, because I am totally recovered from from binge eating. So in today's episode, I'm going to share with you first my story and then I'm going to give you a step-by-step process on how to reintroduce your binge foods back to your household. And then at the end, I'm going to share with you my story with chocolate because I think that it's also kind of interesting that you can be habituated to food, but it doesn't mean that you won't have a desire for it. Okay, let's start with my story. And first, I need to tell you that this is incomplete story. I'm going to just focus today on the pieces that are relevant to the topic of trigger foods. And I'm going to, you know, discard the the rest of the story. So again, this is incomplete story. So first of all, at some point in my life, I started binge eating. And one of the ways that helped me to stop binge eating was going vegan. And why it helped me? Because I stopped eating my binge foods. I didn't eat cheese. I didn't eat uh, processed foods because back then in Poland, we didn't have many vegan processed foods. So I was forced to be on, on a clean diet. I know this term is horrible, but I think that when I say clean eating, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So then I was happily thriving on this kind of diet, but I also got like too lean. I lost my period and I decided to reintroduce highly processed foods back to my diet because I knew that it's going to be the easiest way for me to gain weight. Back then, I also moved to the Netherlands to study for one year, and I thought that it's a perfect time for me to gain weight, and also, I didn't really have a lot of money, so I knew that it's going to be easier for me to just buy uh, foods that are cheap, maybe lower quality, but high in calories, Uh, and in this way, I just ended up eating a lot of junk food. So uh, in a in a in a span of a couple of months, I did gain weight. I did my uh, period back, but unfortunately, I couldn't stop eating those foods. I felt really addicted. So 
we could say that I went all in. So maybe you've already heard that name. Going all in is a popular way of dealing with hypothalamic ammonaria. And that basically means like ditching all the food rules and just eating whatever you crave to, to get rid of your extreme hunger and to allow your body to, uh, to heal itself through just getting adequate amount of energy. So unfortunately, because my mindset wasn't in the right place, I didn't really know what all in meant. So I didn't know how to do it properly. I still uh, had this habit of using food to cope with, with stress in my life. I, I was still emotionally eating. So in my case, allowing myself to eat these kind of highly processed foods actually wasn't good for me. And at some point I just couldn't stop buying them. I was craving them all the time. And this problem escalated when I came back home, when I was, when my mother was buying a lot of foods for me. So I was literally just depressed and spending all of my time in my room, just eating, eating even like loaves of bread. <laughs> that was the, the funniest thing that my mom would, you know, bring a loaf of bread and in the evening, the loaf of bread it would be gone. And she would be very surprised, like how how could I eat the whole loaf of bread? <laughs> so at some point I knew that this environment isn't good for me. So I decided to move out to get rid of all of those food cues. I knew that if I could gain control over my environment, over if I could gain control over what kind of foods are in my environment, that it would be easier for me to break this binge eating habit. And this is actually something that that helped me. So this time, because I did my research, I read a lot of studies about, you know, reward system, about, you know, about food addiction. So I knew that uh, ditching those, uh, those kind of foods that uh, at the time I felt addicted to, that it could help me. So I was living alone. Then I also moved to my, to live with my grandma. So I had control over my food and yeah, I surrounded myself with healthy foods, so my diet again got better and better, but it doesn't mean that I was perfect. So at the time we could say that I tried to be abstinent from my binge foods, but at the same time I wasn't perfect because I still would visit my parents and when I was at my parents' place I would still eat things that they served or that they had in the kitchen. So I would eat bread or my mother likes to bake, so I would eat some of the bake, baked vegan foods she would make for me. And then I think that this period of time lasted a couple of months, then I got better and better. My reward system slightly, mm, yeah, got, got better. I, I didn't feel that much addicted to those kind of foods because, again, majority of my diet was pretty, uh, pretty clean. Then I moved to Belgium and in this po at this point I was in a very good state and then I uh, I met my boyfriend and then I started to re reintroducing my binge foods again to my diet because with him I would usually eat some less healthy foods and I've noticed that I was fine. I could eat a little bit of peanut butter, I could eat some like pancakes or something and I was totally fine and I would say that I was fully recovered and able to eat my binge foods in a moderation after let's say one and a half year because that was the, the the moment when we moved in together. So I was just totally fine and I didn't have any disordered thoughts about, you know, binging on foods and I didn't have to fight my 
urges. But I want to come back right now to to the beginning. So I want to answer the question like why removing binge foods didn't work for me for the first time. So the first time uh, when I, you know, when I went vegan and I just didn't have access to highly processed foods. So it didn't work for me because I didn't work on my mindset. I still believed that sugar is bad, that animal products are bad, that casomorphine in cheese uh, makes cheese addictive and so on. So my mindset wasn't in the right place. The other thing is that I was still kind of binging, we could say, well, depending on a point of view. So in my opinion back then, I wasn't binging. I was eating exactly how how much I wanted and it wasn't any like compulsive or impulsive behavior. But from the perspective of maybe other people, they would say that it, it looks like a binge because I was drinking like huge smoothies with like 10 bananas in them. I would eat huge salads. So back then I would have like healthy thoughts about my eating, but I, w- I was still using this volume eating to, to numb myself out. Um, so still maybe I felt, you know, this, this rewarding properties of just high volume uh, of food. So from the perspective of time, I can see that this was kind of like a binging, but binging on healthy foods and binging in like more controllable way. But again, uh, that was kind of disordered, kind of normal. I still don't know what to think about it. This kind of abstinence just didn't work for me, first of all, because I still was getting this numbing effect of eating a lot of food, uh, like volume-wise. The other thing is that I didn't break the habit. So because I just didn't eat processed foods, I never dealt with with urges, with like real urges. I mean, probably at the beginning I did, but again, I, I couldn't react on those urges, not because I didn't want it, but just because there weren't food available for me. So I had to, we could say that I used willpower back then to fight with those urges. I think that it doesn't really matter that I wasn't binging for like, two years because the truth is that I never break that uh, that habit you know crossing days on your calendar doesn't really change the habit my habit of binge eating was just lying dormant to stop binge eating you need to binge because you need to break your habit cycle you need to break it in the also in the different stages not only before the binge but also after the binge you can change how you how you react to eating more food than you wanted to. By binging and by slowly decreasing the severity of your binges, you have the opportunity to dig deeper. You can really examine your thoughts. You can think about what this helps you with. What is the function of binging? You can just dip, uh, dig deeper And really, to rewire the habit, you need to binge. And those binges have to get slowly get smaller and smaller. When you avoid trigger foods, your reaction to them hasn't been extinguished. And this is what happened to me. I haven't learned that trigger foods do not predict binge. Because I just didn't encounter trigger foods that often, right? So my reaction to them were, was never extinguished. So in my brain, this pathway, pathway of binge eating was still very strong. It hasn't been replaced with a different neural pathway. 
So to stop binge eating, you need to replace the current binge eating neural pathway with different habit. It's the easiest way. You just have to rewire this part of your habit. So binge eating will be reduced when you learn to associate the eating of small amounts of binge foods with no binging. That's why when you are, for example, on a diet, it's better to occasionally eat your favorite binge foods in a small amount just to reduce the possibility of binge eating in the future. Right now, I also want to quickly examine the second time I ditched processed foods. So I think that removing processed foods from your diet for a limited amount of time, it's okay, right? You can remove them intermittently because in this way you give your reward system a break. And this is, I think that this is what happened to, to my brain. I used this time when I didn't eat highly processed foods, I used this time to manage my brain. Back then I wasn't, mm, I didn't do much, right? Because I was unemployed, I didn't know what to do with my life. So I had time to really practice mindfulness. Most of the time I was alone, so I was able to sit with my own thoughts. Of course, I also distracted myself with with movies and TV series like BoJack, Community, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, even Doctor Who. But mainly, I tried to really take care of myself physically and mentally. But again, I wasn't perfect. I was still visiting my parents to eat some of their binge foods in their place. But for me, it was important that I didn't bring those binge foods to uh, to the apartment I was living back then. And I, at the time, that was helpful for me. And also, I stopped seeing food as a way to manipulate my body weight. And I think that this is kind of like the crucial thing, because that was the period of time when I felt like I hit the rock bottom and I knew that, okay, I will never lose weight. I'm, I'm fine with it. Like, my life is miserable. I don't give a shit anymore. I'm, I'm just, I will never find love in my life. I will never have a partner. My, my life, my life's gonna be misery and I just don't care. I can live with that body. So I stopped seeing food as a way to manipulate my body weight. So I just wanted to eat healthy just because I still loved eating healthy. And I, I was okay with living in a bigger body even though I wasn't really fully satisfied with that body. But at the same time, I knew that dieting would just destroy me mentally even more. So I was just okay. Back then, I was sort of abstinent from my binge foods. But at the same time, I didn't really feel that much confident around those foods. So it took me months and months to really bring them back to my diet. But before that, I worked on myself. I worked on mindful eating and mindfulness and that really helped me. That was the work I did before bringing back uh, trigger foods to my diet. So if you want to feel confident around food, this is what you need to do. You need to challenge yourself. You need to get outside your comfort zone to create this confidence. And this is what I did but after months and months of being in recovery. And I wanted to do that. I actually wanted to bring my binge foods back to my diet because 
for example of my boyfriend I knew that at some point we're gonna live together and I knew that his diet is horrible and we're gonna have a lot of binge foods in in our uh, household I also thought about you know maybe perhaps future family right if I'm gonna have kids probably those kids will have some unhealthy foods and I don't want to be consumed by thoughts that in my house we have a lot of trigger foods so in my case it made sense to really challenge myself and just even try to incorporate those those binge foods back to my diet. And I really wanted that, even for myself, I really wanted to build that self-trust. I really wanted to trust myself around foods and not feel like I'm out of control. So right now I'm going to share with you the exact process I went through. But before that, of course, I need to give you that disclaimer. So the disclaimer is that I know that true food freedom can be achieved in many ways. So if you struggle with processed food addiction and you believe that abstinence gives you more freedom than moderation, no problem. I fully support that. I told you that at some point in my life, I I also thought that and that was okay for me. Another disclaimer is that there is something called bio-individuality. So exposure to food cues can elicit a stronger response in the food reward centers in the brain of susceptible people. Therefore, binge foods reintroduction may be harder for these people and genetics play a role in it. So if you have higher level of reward sensitivity, you may be vulnerable to excessive overeating and food addiction. So again, there's a huge bio-individuality. Another thing I want to say is that reintroduction of the trigger foods is just one of the stages of binge eating recovery. In my opinion, there is way more work that has to be done. And this is something that we are doing in a binge brain coaching program. We not only work on, you know, binge foods, reintroduction but also on other parts of recovery like your self-talk self-regard limiting beliefs Uh, we normalize other eating behaviors we fight against uh, diet culture we work on your body image so there are many other components of binge eating recovery so just reintroducing trigger foods is not everything you also have to do the work in other areas Uh, the process I'm going to share with you, it's basically habituation. So habituation is a form of learning in which repeated exposure to stimulus leads to decreased physical and behavioral responses. Your binge eating habits started as a type of like Pavlovian conditioning. It's associative learning. You ate food, it helped you with something, your brain remembered that response and and remembered that, oh, eating that food makes me feel better. So now we are going to use the process of habituation to make you feel safer around binge foods. And the first step is, of course, changing your mindset. We have to get rid of all of the limiting beliefs that hold you back. We have to come back to the previous episode, right? Just work on 
your thoughts around food. Remember that food has no moral value. Food just sits there. It's all about your thoughts. Just stop labeling food as unhealthy, healthy, good or bad. Neutralize all foods and also challenge your own limiting beliefs because right now you might be thinking uh, unhelpful thoughts like, oh, if I'm alone at home with a box of chocolates, I will eat it all. So you have to challenge that thought. You have to look for the evidence that it's not true, that it is just limiting belief that may work as self-fulfilling prophecy. So we have to work on your thoughts about uh, about binge foods. So that was the first step, just change your mindset. The second step is to use your imagination. So you don't have to right away bring your binge foods back to your home. First, use your imagination. Just imagine consuming specific foods, your binge foods, and imagine how you eat them, how you slowly, you know, take them and put them into your mouth and how you are eating them. And actually, there are some studies uh, showing that that pe- by performing these repetitive actions uh, of um, of bringing this imagined food to one's mouth, it can decrease their desire to eat them. It can decrease even later actual consumption. So repetitively thinking about food consumption can lead to habituation and a reduced motivation to consume to consume those specific foods. So you can use that because usually when we use our imagination, we imagine ourselves like binging on food, like, oh, that would be so great if I could eat the whole cake, the whole chocolate cake, and you imagine yourself like devouring this cake. No, you have to start imagining yourself eating appropriate amount of food, eating in moderation. You are already uh, like priming your system to eat in moderation. So first step was changing your mindset. Second step is using your imagination. Then the third step is just bringing your favorite binge foods to your home and just allow them to be in your home. You don't have to feel forced to try them right away. First, even put them, not really hide them, but put them somewhere where they are out of sight, that you know that they are inside your house, but you uh, do not feel like um, they're calling you. So they're in the house and you get like comfortable with having them in a the house. Then you can bring them somewhere where you can see them, but still you are not eating them. You still haven't made a decision to eat them. They are just in your house and in this way whenever you see them but also you do not react by eating them in this way you strengthen the inhibitory connections in your in your brain so you know that food is always available but actually every time you encounter this this binge food you do not react you do not eat it right away previously maybe every time you had this binge food in a house you would binge on it but right now you know that this food is just there and you are not going to binge on them yet. So you just strengthen the inhibitory connections in your brain. The next step is actually eating those foods. So, okay, first they were out of your sight, then you could see them. And right now you can use them, but as a condiment. So you are not eating them straight away in their natural form. First, you use them as a condiment. So for example, let's say that chocolate is your binge food. Maybe first use chocolate 
in your oatmeal. Like try to melt chocolate into your oatmeal. Maybe make chocolate pancakes. Maybe make something with cacao powder. Maybe eat chocolate protein bar. So first allow your senses to get familiar with this flavor and you are not really uh, feeling the full potency of that food, right? Because if you would eat pure chocolate, you just feel chocolate. But if you eat chocolate uh, mixed with oatmeal, then the potency of chocolate is slightly um, less. And the same with, for example, peanut butter. Of course, if you would devour uh, like tablespoons of peanut butter, then you really feel it like, oh yeah, you want to eat more peanut butter. But if you first mix peanut butter into something, then it's going to be easier for you because you won't feel that much flavor. So uh, first use this food as a condiment and this will also increase your confidence because then you will have evidence that, okay, yeah, you were eating peanut butter, you ate chocolate without binging on it. Of course, it was sort of like hidden in and mixed with different food, but still you ate it and you didn't binge on it. The next step is to eat this binge food with somebody who understands what you struggle with. So let's say that you decided ahead of time to eat your binge food, but make it in a way that you are with somebody so that you can communicate with that person during your meal and be really honest with them. And if you feel an urge to binge, communicate with them, ask them for support. Maybe you could do something together. For example, go on a walk. And remember that not all of your experiments will be 100% successful, right? So they might be uh, attempts when you will end up binge eating. And that's, that's just part of the process, okay? As I told you before, to stop binge eating, you still have to binge from time to time to learn from the experience. Uh, this is a process and it won't always go very smoothly. So just make sure that when you try these trigger foods for a first time, make sure that somebody is with you with whom you can uh, communicate it. And also make sure that your experience with eating your uh, binge foods, it's a conscious choice and not an impulsive choice made in response to a strong sugar craving. What I mean by that is please plan those experiences it would be best if you would plan them uh, plan them out from your prefrontal cortex from your rational brain maybe 12 or 24 hours in advance so that whenever you eat your binge foods it's not because your primitive brain wants it in the moment but rather because you planned it from your rational brain so you can already prepare for this experience and of course remember to Remain calm, eat it mindfully, relax. You are in control. And in this way, by eating in a relaxed setting, eating in control, you create positive neural associations in your brain. And never, 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 never try to introduce tr your binge foods when you are ravenously hungry. The truth is that brain attaches more value to the food when you are hungry. Maybe you've heard that sentence before that hunger is the best sauce. So whenever you are eating something when you are super hungry, it probably that just tastes very good. So usually binge foods, uh, they are already very palatable. So when you are eating them, when you are ravenously hungry, 
you make them in a way even more, more, more palatable. So it's better to eat them at the end of the meal when you already feel in a way satisfied. And when you eat your binge, uh, your binge foods, please remember to eat mindfully. Eat tiny bites. As they say, the 10th bite of ice creams is less desired than the first bite. So while reintroducing your favorite foods, always eat them mindfully, give yourself permission to enjoy them, allow yourself to really soak in the experience, soak in the pleasure and decide ahead of time that you are going to uh, to go into this experience without any guilt. That after eating these kind of foods, you are not going to feel feel any guilt. The aim of this experiment is to feel satisfaction and even to find your satisfaction factor and really to feel pleasure. It's totally fine to derive pleasure from eating, uh, especially when you are doing it in a controllable way. So if you feel that you want to rush because it's your binge food and usually you ate it, you know, very fast, maybe in, in private when nobody could see you, please slow down, get rid of any distractions, eat your favorite foods at the beginning, maybe with, with a small spoon or with chopsticks to really uh, decrease the, the speed of eating. Of course, later you are going to eat them in a normal way, but at the beginning, this can help you. And the slower and more mindful you eat, the faster you will experience habituation and sensory-specific satiety. Sensory-specific satiety means that your desire to eat more will decrease with time you are eating it. But of course, to experience sensory-specific satiety, you have to really slow down and eat mindfully to allow your brain to register that you are eating and that you've already had enough. Let's make a quick recap. So first, we talked about changing your mindset then using your imagination, then bringing your foods home but not eating them, then using them as a condiment, then eating them with somebody, then eating them, you know, very mindfully. So the next step is to eat your binge foods under conditions that do not cue overeating. So maybe you've already noticed that you have a tendency to eat more when you are, for example, stressed. Most of us display some kind of um, enhanced reactivity and motivation to eat food under certain, certain conditions such as stress or anxiety or being emotional or being just, you know, food deprived. So stress is an important common trigger for relapse to substance use in addicted individuals. I suggest trying eating your binge foods on your own when you are relaxed and in the environment that doesn't cue overeating. So first, of course, you need to uh, figure out what are your cues for overeating. Maybe those are specific places. Maybe it's your office, maybe it's your kitchen, maybe it's your car. Maybe these are specific physical states like hunger or specific mood, like sadness. Maybe it's a time time of the day, like um, nighttime. Maybe it's specific time of the month. Maybe those are specific thoughts, like whenever you have 
thoughts connected to your body image, then you feel an urge to, to binge. So you have to figure out what are your cues. And then the first time you eat your binge foods, remember to eat them in a different conditions. <laughs> so for example, if most of the time you used to binge, binge on your favorite foods in the car, try eating them in the park. So it's a different, different environment. If in the past, feeling of boredom triggered binge eating, try eating your binge foods when you are in a different mood. When you start doing that, then you can go to another uh, step, which and this step, this last step is not really necessary. So the next step would be to eat your binge foods under conditions that cue overeating. When you think that you're ready, you can start eating your favorite foods in the context that in the past was a cue for binge eating. You may still choose to eat more than you feel comfortable, but if it's a choice, then it's still a win because you are not acting on your urges or impulses, but you are making a conscious choice. Sometimes people ask me, uh, you know, is it okay to overeat from time to time? Is it okay to emotionally overeat? And I must say that, yes, this is okay. This is normal, especially when you are doing it consciously and you also have different coping mechanisms. So you don't only rely on food to change your uh, your mental state, but you also have different mechanism mechanisms to deal with, for example, certain em emotions. Uh, okay, so now you have the whole process. And at the end, I want to remind you that if this ends up in a binge, uh, in whatever, you know, step along the way, if this ends up as a binge, please don't see it as a failure. Treat it as a learning experience. You can always go to, to previous steps. You may have a couple of questions about this process. And I assume that one of the questions would be, do I have to repeat this process for all trigger foods? So the answer is, I don't know. I don't think so. Just pick your battles. Reintroduce the foods that are the most important for you, that you want to have in your diet. I don't think so that you will have to make this process for for example, each type of ice cream or each flavor of ice cream. I would say that probably if you're going to reintroduce, let's say, uh, ice creams, it's going to be translated to also other flavors of ice creams. If you're going to do it with peanut butter, you also will be able to eat uh, almond nut butter, uh, cashew nut butter, and so on. And once you gain the confidence, once you work on also other parts of binge eating recovery, it's going to be easier for you to reintroduce other uh, binge foods. So I think that you might do it for a couple of items, but then with others, you, you will be able to reintroduce them to your diet without going through this process. The other question you may have is how often should you eat trigger foods? It's also the question that I don't know the answer to. The, my question to you would be how balanced eating or gentle nutrition looks like for you. You make the rules. You have the authority. So many people can give you a specific specific tips, but you are the authority. You have to decide. Maybe 80-20 rule sounds good for you. I personally 
encourage people to occasionally consume small amounts of pinch foods in order to learn that eating a small amount of food is no longer a cue for overeating. So I would say that from time to time, it's really good to um, to eat those foods to just uh, reinforce this new neural pathway that it's okay, we can eat those foods in moderation. Another question you may have is, how long does, does it take? How long does this process take? I have to say that, again, I'm not sure you are different than the other person, so it might be totally different for you. If necessary, you can stay at each step as long as you need to. Also, you can you have to usually repeat each step a couple of times before you can move to the next one. And if next time ended up not the way you wanted to, you can go back. So you can go back and forth. Again, I said uh, in my case, I think that it took at least eight months for me to be okay. But actually to be fully, fully okay, I needed one and a half year. So I think that it puts things into perspective because if you tried it once or twice and you've been doing it for like one week, two weeks, and you think that you are all right, then <laughs> compare it to, to my journey. I don't know. Maybe in your case, it's going to be uh, shorter. Maybe it's going to be longer. The next question you may have is, okay, I binged. Uh, what now? Well, treat it as a learning experience. Reflect on what really happened and what led you to binge. Trigger food, foods uh, reintroduction is just one step in the process of becoming binge-free for life. I guide my clients through all the steps inside my Binge Pro Brain coaching program. So if you feel like you need more accountability and support, you have to apply for my coaching program so that we can take the information from, from this episode and we take, can take it to the next level so you can really overcome your struggles and I can help you personally with it. That was the whole process. I also answered some of the questions you may have. And at the end, I want to add a little story of mine about chocolate. <laughs> so um, there are a couple of misconceptions about the whole reintroduction of trigger foods and also habituation. And I think that your expectations might be slightly too high because you think that probably you will never have a craving for food that you are habituated to. And that's not true. Habituation doesn't mean you will never strongly desire that food. So I am habituated to lots of foods, but I still crave chocolate daily. And let me explain. Let me uh, give you a detailed information about my relationship with chocolate. Because again, I think that it illustrates in a good way what does it mean to be habituated. Chocolate used to be my binge food. Also, for a period of time, I had to avoid chocolate because I've noticed that it escalated my acne. And I used to eat mainly dark chocolate because, again, back then there weren't many uh, milk chocolates that would be also plant-based. So I used to eat uh, dark chocolate. But again, I've noticed that uh, I couldn't eat it because the next time I would have pimples on my face. But I also did some things to heal my gut. So the things that I was previously sensitive to, like cacao, meaning chocolate, and also gluten they were no longer an issue for me. So I healed my gut, which means that my uh, food sensitivities also went away. 
as I mentioned before, I moved in with my boyfriend, we started living together and he has a habit of eating chocolate daily. So he always have to have chocolate in the house, peanut butter, bread and so on. So he has totally different diet than I do. But because he had a habit of eating chocolate daily, I unfortunately picked up that habit. So okay, I was able to habituate myself to chocolate which means that I no longer have like super strong desire for it I'm not binging on it I don't eat like massive amounts of of it I don't have uncontrollable urges uh, to eat chocolate but I still kind of want it every day I still have this like slow craving for it Um, so I do have a full permission I give myself full permission to eat it but I think that okay I habituated myself, chocolate is no longer a problem, but right now, small amounts of chocolate became a new habit cycle. This is something that I do daily. And of course, there are some, uh, we have some evidence saying that chocolate is one of the things that is very often craved by people. So chocolate contains caffeine, theobromine, it is a mixture of fat and sugar. So chocolate may have addictive-like properties so that's why I might be craving chocolate every day but I don't see it really as a problem first of all I see cacao as superfood and also I don't aim for perfect diet I'm totally fine with balance um, 80-20 meaning 80% unprocessed foods 20% of my diet can be processed foods so if I crave something it is usually chocolate so I prefer to crave chocolate over other highly processed foods. So in a house, we may have, you know, some cho- some Oreos um, or maybe some, some muffins uh, and so on. But usually when I want something, I just want chocolate. So that's good that I sort of naturally uh, develop this constraint that whenever I want something, I don't have a wide variety of choices. But whenever I have a craving, I usually just want chocolate. That's why I eat chocolate <laughs> every day (laughs) but I also know that it's not really a strong strong like addiction because I know that I can stop for example I stopped a couple of months ago because I did the caffeine detox and of course uh, chocolate contains caffeine so I wouldn't eat chocolate for I think I did it for like a month also when I was in Poland I didn't eat chocolate because I totally didn't have craving for it when I tried the mastering diabetes method, I also ditched chocolate for a while. So in general, chocolate is in my diet daily, uh, but I also know that I'm able to ditch it without like massive problems and massive cravings and being cranky whenever I cannot eat it. I do allow myself to eat it every day. Thanks to habituation, I crave it in moderate amounts. So usually I have between one to six squares Yeah, okay, for some people, six squares is like a lot. But for me, uh, during, for example, certain time of the month, six squares is what hits hits the sweet spot and I'm totally fine with it. Also, I've made this uh, eating chocolate, I've made it a nice self-care ritual. So in my opinion, for some people, of course, this, when they hear me saying that I eat chocolate daily, I crave chocolate daily, 
and it is part of the habit cycle, they might say that, oh, you have addiction, you have addiction to chocolate. Maybe they are right, but actually I reframed it. I consider it a fancy self-care habit. I decided to, again, give myself full permission to enjoy chocolate. And whenever I do it, I do eat chocolate mindfully. I never binge on it. I never treat it as something to boost my mood. Also, I've I've made it, again, fancy self-care habit. And I try to buy more artisan chocolates. I really like to splurge uh, on chocolate and I don't mind uh, buying maybe more expensive chocolates because they have totally different uh, flavor. Of course, I'm not chocolate connoisseur. I still, most of the time, I just buy lint chocolate, which is not as good. In my opinion, it has quite flat flavor. Uh, but from time to time, I will buy those higher quality chocolates that, for example, win some awards in in like chocolate competitions. It's not a problem for me. Uh, so I, I told you my story with chocolate to illustrate for you that even though you are habituated to food, it doesn't mean that that it won't be an like issue for you. It doesn't mean that you won't crave it. Again, I am habituated to chocolate, but I crave it daily. I'm also habituated to like peanut butter or Oreos or Ben and Jerry's. But to be honest, I don't crave them daily. I don't know what's (laughs) with chocolate, but with chocolate, I do eat daily. But for me, it's not a problem because of the reasons I already told you. That was a long episode, I presume. Uh, But right now you've got all the information you need to uh, reintroduce binge foods back to your diet. Listen to the previous episode about mindset. Listen uh, to this episode about, uh, you know, step-by-step step process. And if you have any questions, if you have any questions about my, uh, my own story, because maybe I gave an incomplete picture, uh, then please message me on Instagram uh, or, um, or on any other platform. You can also write an email for to me. And if you would like to participate in Binge Proof Brain Coaching Program, please uh, fill out the coaching application. And that would be all for today. Thank you so much for bearing with me for such a long time. I hope this episode was helpful for you. It would be great if you would leave a review or I on iTunes. Uh, thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode and you would like to stay in touch with me, make sure to follow Pinchproof Brain on Instagram. And if you are ready to take this material to the next level and apply what you've learned, then go ahead and submit your application for my Pinchproof Brain coaching program. Thank you so much for joining me today and have a great day.